HR pros are faced with challenges. One of these challenges involves learning the signs of mental illness. If an HR professional isn't trained, they may accidentally turn a neutral situation into a negative one. However, HR teams who help eliminate stigma, increase awareness, and provide resources can improve employees' way of life and empower them to be better in the workplace. Welcome to the Future Focus Terminal Podcast. I'm Shauna Fairchild. I'm your host. And today we're going to talk about mental health in the workplace, specifically how employers need to focus more on the well-being of their employees and how that can help us attract and retain talent. And today I have some special guests with me that I'm really excited to introduce you to. So from Con Global, I have Norma Martinez. She's our Director of Human Resources. Deanna Karajic, she is our Director of Total Rewards. And then we have a special guest, and she's from Cigna. Her name is Lauren Sly, and she's an MBA, LPC, a Behavioral Clinical Strategist. So Lauren, since I just gave your introduction, how about you tell us how long you've been with Cigna and what you do for Cigna? Awesome. So thank you so much. So yes, I've been with Cigna um, a little over 10 years, and I am a behavioral clinical strategist. So what that means is I help um, the leadership here at Con Global, your HR team and benefits team with all things related to your behavioral resources and product. Very good. Thank you so much. How about Deanna? Do you want to go next? Sure, I can go next. Uh, my name is Deanna Kadaich. I have been with Con Global for going on two and a half years now. I like to joke that it's uh, times three, actually, when you're here. That's the speed that we travel at. Um, it's my first experience in this industry, and it has been more rewarding than in any prior um, experience that I've had. Mm-hmm. I do all things total rewards. That means benefits, uh, our compensation packages, um, engagement, all of the above. Um, love what I do. We have done a lot of great work in the last uh, couple of years, and we're not slowing down. Um, and we're very excited to be talking with you today about mental health. Thank you, Deanna. All right. Last but not least, how about you, Norma? Thanks, Shauna. Um, my name is Norma Martinez, and I am the director of HR. Um, I got the privilege of being with this organization. It's going to be 13 years this week. Um, and it's, it's just amazing how much we've evolved as an organization. So, you know, what I focus on in my role is overseeing uh, talent acquisition, making sure that we're bringing the right folks into the right jobs, partnering strategically with our operational folks, and as well as making sure that we're safe and meeting all sorts of compliance and also focusing on our training. Thank you, Norma. And what she didn't tell you all is about her recent employee award that she just got. So Norma's uh, very well recognized within the organization, as is Deanna as well. So we have a wonderful HR team here at Con Global. All right, but we're going to go ahead and dive right in. So, um, you know, historically, company leaders have really worked with their employees on, you know, kind of traditional, let's call it performance type topics, right? So they've worked with employees on safety, they've talked to them about performance reviews, and all types of things like that. But you know, what I had read recently is there's a statistic, like one out of every five employees is going to have a mental health challenge each year. And so my question to you, really, any of you on the call is, If that's the case, if one in five out of our employees is going to be having a mental health challenge, why aren't we talking about it more? Norma, do you want to maybe take this one? Mm -hmm. Thanks, Shauna. 
you know, there is a stigma associated with mental health, and that truly creates a don't ask, don't tell workplace environment. Employees are connected to treatment resources, and that, that you know, ultimately affects their business productivity. Um, and I think that it truly stems from the idea that most HR professionals are not trained to identify mental health conditions. They don't talk about mental health or make recommendations to what sources are available to them. Mm-hmm. And if you think about stigma at its core, it's when someone negatively views you because of a distinguishing characteristic or a personal trait that is thought to be a disadvantage. So there are negative attitudes and beliefs toward people with mental health conditions. Uh, and this, this, that type of stigma can lead to discrimination. Discrimination can be obvious and direct, or it can be more subtle. Like when we avoid people because of the perception that they could be potentially unstable, violent, or dangerous. And, and that even applies to oneself. If you think about it, if you, if you have a mental health challenge, you are most likely going to be judgmental toward yourself. Um, so all of the things that we just discussed about, you know, what what is um, at its core, you know, that stigma, it, it causes people to be reluctant to seek treatment or help. There's also a lack of understanding by family, friends, or coworkers. Um, and sometimes that can result in fewer opportunities for work, school, and social activities, even bullying or harassment, or simply the belief that you'll never succeed at you know, certain challenges or can improve your situation. Mm-hmm. So are there ways that HR can help with that stigma, Norma? Yes, it, it's, it is our responsibility as HR professionals to guide the organization to be more transparent, flexible, and resilient in meeting all employees' needs. And I think it's just because it's something that we're more familiar with. We tend to really focus on when it comes to operations, like optimizing operations for, for seeking better workflows or, or performance processes. But that does not mean where we can overlook the gamut of feelings that affect employees at all levels of the organization. So by acknowledging and normalizing these feelings, being genuine and authentic about it, it helps us shift from sharing a phone number for the employee's assistance program, um, widely known as the EAP, and to help employees better navigate the organization and business differently. You know, so speaking of our EAP program, you know, Deanna has done some remarkable work with it this year that I think she would like to share. Thanks, Norma. Uh, Yes, I read a McKinsey and Company study, and there were several points of disconnection between employer and employee perspectives on workplace mental health. Um, And what's eye-opening is that the disconnect is more pronounced regarding perceived benefits for frontline employees. So on the employer side, we have 65% of employers report that employee mental health is supported well or very well but only 51% of employee respondents agree with that. Um, 71% of employers with frontline employees report that mental health is supported well or very well, but only 27% of frontline employees agree. So employees share that it is challenging to access care and that there is workplace stigma around mental health, uh, mental illness, and other ancillary issues as well. Huh, that's really interesting. So that being the case, that there is such this disconnect, and then, you know, employees feeling the disconnect, and then the stigma, what are we doing at Con Global that's really helping overcome that or to be different than, say, the traditional employer? Yes, uh, Shana, we've bucketed our efforts into four main actions. Uh, The first one is we're making mental health a priority. And that starts at the top. So senior leadership sets the tone. 
without executive backing, you won't move the dial on mental health and well-being. It needs to be a strategic priority to make a change. And for us, it's taking care is in our everyday mission. Um, next, we're working on the hearts and minds of mid-management, and they're responding well to the training and materials we've released so far. Uh, number two, we're enhancing mental health support. So in some cases, we've expanded the resources available to our employees, but we've also looked at for ways to make care more accessible by integrating all our benefit offerings into a healthcare navigation platform. This service helps employees access the high quality care we offer in a concierge way. Uh, third, our wellness communication strategy covers three main themes. Uh, the first one being holistic wellness. So we share content that supports physical health, mental and emotional wellness, healthy diet or nutrition, work-life balance, sound financial habits, mm -hmm. corporate culture, and workplace safety. Uh, we've also tried to simplify our benefits. So research shows that many employees don't understand their health benefits. Mm -hmm. We can lower healthcare spending by keeping benefits communication simple and digestible, making benefits training a year-round priority, uh, supporting employees with materials and services to break them down. And we encourage leader participation and support. So positive wellness outcomes require strong leadership. Mm -hmm. Our program should support the health and wellness issues frontline leaders face daily. We're cultivating an inclusive culture. I'll let Norma speak to some of the employee engagement points, but on the mental health front, we're doing more to support our leaders through wellness programs. And we do everything we can so that our employees feel safe, seen, and heard. Understanding the everyday experiences of employees and their behavioral health needs will continue to evolve as we move forward, but we're leveraging resources from our providers, insurance brokers, EAP provider to provide supplemental mental health programs. Absolutely. You know, Deanna, I've seen us do some things that I haven't seen, you know, many organizations that I've been with in the past do, and even you know, some of the having someone sit down with you, go through the benefits, walk you through it. I mean, we really do take care of our employees. I mean, it's impressive. It, it's a truly comprehensive strategy. And, you know, I just really commend you for what you're doing. It, it really does help us attract and retain and take care of our employees. So, so thank you. Thank you. All right. So, um, you know, Lauren, I appreciate you joining us today, and I've got uh, just a whole slew of questions for you. I don't even know where to start. Um, you know, Norma talked about the different ways that HR can really help us with the stigma and, you know, some of the ways in which HR can help identify some of the mental health challenges. Can you really talk about how, you know, people managers can help tell whether an employee is struggling from a mental health perspective? Yeah. Um, and I, and I love Norma, what you brought up about, um, HR having the responsibility, right. In terms of opening up that conversation and Deanna, how you just outlined that you're starting at the top with senior leaders, the middle management and your whole wellness strategy. I think that's so important. Um, and I think there are, you know, there are signs that people exhibit when they're struggling with the mental health condition or behavioral symptom, um, there's change in personality, change in behavior. For management, it's probably going to be a change in performance. You know, mm -hmm. perhaps they're calling out more. They're not producing as much. Um, 
perhaps they're getting overwhelmed more quickly are having a lower tolerance for frustration, right? Because things change, right? It's a very dynamic mm -hmm. environment, I'm sure. And um, we always have to be on our toes at work. So perhaps people are not tolerating those changes as, as they used to. So look for personality changes, behavior changes, um, mood changes as well. So you know, when somebody's having a mental health issue, really key things are impacted. Sleep is impacted, mm -hmm. appetite, you don't get as much joy doing what you usually like to do. Um, you're withdrawn, isolating, and those will translate into the workplace, right? Mm -hmm. So perhaps somebody's not taking their lunches um, or, or coming and looking tired, not being able to concentrate as well. So just key changes like that, personality, behavior changes um, are, are key indicators. Okay. And so if as a manager, you see some of those key indicators, how do you recommend approaching that conversation? Do you do it directly? Do you involve HR or, or what do you recommend? I think you have to assess your relationship with your employees, right? Um, it, it, whether or not to bring HR in. But I think that the best, most ideal path forward is you, you as managers have good relationships with these employees. And so you can just have a transparent, open conversation. I would recommend being upfront and not um, skirting around the issue, but just saying, hey, what's going on? You know, mm -hmm. uh, and rather than point out the behavior or the performance deficits that might be happening, starting with, is everything okay? Or is there something going on, right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, there might be a divorce going on or a death in the family or sickness or bills that can't be paid. And that's going to affect work as well. So showing compassion by approaching that conversation with compassion and the human first, right? People first perspective, mm -hmm. um, it is a really good strategy and just being direct and opening yourself up for, you know, is there anything I can do? You know, you have EAP, um, you know, pointing out the resources that Norma and Deanna mentioned, um, but just being equipped to be there um, ask what is happening rather than just focusing on you've been late a lot or you're not turning in your reports. Mm -hmm. uh, what's going on? How can I help? Um, I think that's the best way. I love that. All right. So I have an interesting thing that I've noticed personally. So it seems like there's a generational difference. So we've talked a little bit about the stigma with mental health. So I have a whole gaggle of, you know, older teens and early 20 age kids that live under my roof. And it doesn't seem like the same stigma exists with the younger generation when it comes to mental health as, you know, it does when you get into, you know, people my age and, and older. Um, is there something that we can learn from the younger generation or, you know, even things that as we deal with different generations in the workforce, we should take into account when we're dealing with different people on our teams? No, and, and you pointed out so nicely, there is a huge generational difference. You know, the pandemic, the one thing it brought was a decrease in the stigma around mental health, right? That's, mm -hmm. like I say, one positive part of the pandemic. Um, but also generate... Gen Z has been pivotal in decreasing the stigma and opening up and saying, hey, I need to take care of my mental health or I'm struggling with anxiety and depression. I see it with my older nephews as well, um, friends who have older kids. They're just more open to talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I think 
that that's the way change happens, right? Yep. Because generations, our generations and older, we're kind of like brushing under the rug, the sweeping under the rug. Don't talk about it. You've got to be strong enough. You have to have self-will and you can, you can manage it. So I think that it's wonderful to have this younger generation really going to make changes in the older generation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because perhaps the the baby boomers or Gen Xs who have children at that age and see that that's one way stigma is going to be broken, right? Yeah. I have a kid who struggles with depression. It's not this scary, unknown thing. I love my child and it, it breaks the stigma. Yeah. And I think when, um, as employers and managers working with people across generations, you just have to, to realize those differences. I think the generational differences in mental health is very highlighted amongst the generations right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Gen Z has impacted millennials, you know, <laughs> they're more open as well, but there is a tide shifting. So when you're approaching a person who perhaps is, um, you know, in sixties or above, I, and, wanting to ask, hey, what's wrong? That's going to be a different conversation than when you approach a 22-year-old who you might be noticed calling out more and you ask, is something going on? You're going to get two different results likely, right? If we're following stereotypes. Um, So just to be aware of those differences, Mm -hmm. but also perhaps when you have conversations like larger mental health trainings, know that you're gonna have strength with the younger generations included in those trainings as well, because they'll be the ones who open up more, talk more, maybe normalize things more for the older generations. Yep. I love that. All right. So um, like I said, I'm going to keep peppering you with questions because we have you as an expert here. Um, So let's say that some of our workforce decides to use their EAP benefit and they're choosing to work with a therapist. How does somebody know that a therapist is a good fit for them? Yeah, great question. And I think this is one fear that probably causes people to hesitate to go into therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's a le- legitimate question and a very uh, valid concern because like a shoe fits, right? You want to be comfortable with your therapist. Um, you're going to be opening up and being vulnerable with your therapist. So making sure you have a good fit um, is key and it's important. Um, and then when you go to seek therapy, right, you get a list of providers, you maybe look at their profiles, um, but you're not sure who they are really and, and if that fit is for you. So there's a couple things you can do. Um, one is when you get connected with a therapist, before you schedule your first appointment, ask for an introductory session. These are 10, 15 minute calls. You're not charged for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're very commonplace to be offered. And so in that call, you can you can be upfront. You can say, this is what I need and this is what I'm looking for from you. Um, or the therapist should lead that call also and t- ask, hey, what are you seeking help for? And this is my style. This is who I am. And in that call, they might say, oh, you know, I don't have experience with trauma. So mm-hmm. I'm going to refer you elsewhere. Um, or they might say, it sounds like it's a, your need is a really good fit for my style. And they can explain what kind of techniques they use. And in that 10 or 15 minute call, you can kind of get a sense of rapport. Like, is this somebody you'd feel comfortable talking to? Mm-hmm. So that's strategy number one. And then you know, things to look for. Therapists should be um, open-minded, inquisitive. You're the expert in you, right? Mm-hmm. They shouldn't come in and say, this is what who you are. They should listen to you. Um, they should take your feedback, right? 
Um, they should be non-judgmental and they should include you in the process. So, you know, it's kind of like when you go find a PCP, you're not sure who that person's going to be until you get into their office. And that's similar to therapy. Sometimes you have to give it a couple of sessions to, to really develop that comfort. Mm -hmm. But along the way, that therapist should be build, doing things to build your trust with them and to make you feel more comfortable. Um, and so if you see those signs, you, you probably have a good fit, right? If yep. you see anything else that's different or it doesn't feel right, then it might be time to look for a different one. Very good. That's all really great advice. Um, during that answer, you talked about styles or types of therapy. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Are there different styles or types people could look into? What's that look like? Yeah, absolutely. There's a, a ton of different techniques and interventions. Um, most therapists will use what we eclectic style, right? <laughs> What's your approach? I'm eclectic because each one has great um, characteristics and great great tenets, right? And so you mm -hmm. borrow and, and form it based on the individual's needs. But there are there's like four main ones, right? Psychodynamic. These are what you think of when you think of Freud, right? Like um, <laughs> where it's talk therapy and you're learning to change a behavior, a feeling, an outcome mm -hmm. through the discovery of unconscious thoughts and unconscious self. Um, there's behavioral, think about like Pavlov and the dog, right? Mm -hmm. Association, ringing a bell, he's drooling for dinner. Um, so there's therapies targeting behavior. Um, so association behavioral desensitization. If you have like phobias, like to spiders, you might expose yourself to spiders more and more until you're in the phobia. That sounds terrible. So those are behavioral types. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Not for everybody. Uh, and those are very strong phobias, right? Um, and there's cognitive therapies, right? And this mm -hmm. is where we, we know that um, an event happens. We have a thought about the event, then we have a feeling, and then we have our behavior. So if you want to change the behavior, you go back to changing the thought about the event. So cognitive is working on changing thoughts. Um, and then the last bucket is is human-centered. And I, I would challenge you to find a therapist who's not human-centered, uh, but that's really where it's, you are the expert in you and you're on this journey and I'm just gonna guide you through a variety of different techniques um, to self-actualize and make your, make your choices. Um, like I said, these are all gonna be, therapists will pick and choose. And then you have techniques that are very specific, like EMDR for trauma, which is eye movement desensitization. It's, it's a very specific technique or tapping emotional freedom. So there's a whole bunch of new techniques coming. Um, and so when you meet with your therapist and you ask her what's her style, what techniques she uses, you might just want to do some research. They'll explain it to you, but then you might want to do research as well to say, do I think I would react or receive this technique well? Very good. Thank you. I appreciate all the information. All right. So I think I've let you be on the hot seat for long enough. So we're going to take it back and put Norma on the hot seat. So at Con Global, obviously, we've been doing a lot of different things to focus on our employees and their well-being, making sure that we're taking care. So how has that been impacting our ability to attract and retain talent? You know, Shauna, the Foundation for Improving Mental Health among our workforce really begins with employee engagement. And engagement can be something that's very difficult to assess and improve. Um, we just recently um, acquired an employee engagement tool that will help us measure employee sentiments in real time. 
And once we receive that feedback, then we'll be able to work with our partners to truly understand the why behind the what. And that'll help us focus on the areas that truly matter and are going to be impactful to our employees. Um, again, I think this is important because it underpins our everyday mission of taking care. Mm -hmm. So if, if you don't have a feedback rich culture, you can't create, um, you can't create developmental plans and programs and a career path or create gun strength. Yep, that's true. You know, and I know even prior to having that tool, you know, we've done some surveying of our employees and they've provided some feedback and we've already made some adjustments along the way that have actually been very beneficial in that process, even, you know, during some of the tough times, you know, pandemic, post-pandemic, you know, we've actually done, you know, pretty well comparatively in the, our ability to attract and retain talent because of the things that, you know, the two of you, Norma and Deanna are doing. And so it has been wonderful. And I just, I'm excited to see with the tool and the real-time feedback and our ability um, to again, get that real-time feedback and adjust um, as we go along, I think it's going to be fantastic. So that's going to allow us really with, um, to be able to adjust quickly and be able to focus on that future focus terminal, right? So I'm excited. Well, I've really enjoyed our time here together today and really enjoyed our conversation. I thought it was incredibly informative and I know that I think our you know, employees and our customers and our stakeholders will find it incredibly enjoyable as well. So I wanna give a shout out to our listeners. Thank you for joining us on the Future Focus Terminal. I hope you'll subscribe and join us again next time. For more information, you can join us at Con Global at www.conglobal.com. Until then, take care.